Hey everyone, I think you're really going to enjoy this topic on the podcast today. I'm talking to Terry Short, who's a human potential developer and has been a coach in some capacity for her entire career. Terry's also the author of The Words We Choose, Your Guide to How and Why Words Matter. And today we're talking all about how words that we use in the workplace, in our personal life, and even when we talk to ourselves can really make a difference. So welcome, Terry. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here, Kate. Oh, it's so great to have you. You know, I always start out by asking guests, um, what brought you to doing the work that you're doing today? Well, gosh, I like to say that it's been a jungle gym approach. There was no sort of straight up ladder climbing involved. Um, and so my jungle gym approach, I I am very much found, or my foundation is very much that I started um, working for my father and when I was 17, 18, 19 years old and in a male dominated world. So electrical and mechanical engineering. And I was eventually ordering steel and nuts and bolts and wing nuts and trying not to be a wing nut when I called up and, you know, ordered things. And then I got that confidence that I could exist in a male world. There were there were times where people would pick up the phone and they'd say, whoa, whoa wait a minute, this is a woman. But then, of course, they had to connect the dots that it was the owner's daughter. So they'd speak to me. And then so I, I, I got a solid foundation of confidence. And I eventually go on to be at the Four Seasons Hotels. I, I was very much drawn to hospitality. It's in my bones. And I worked my way up through, um, again, Jungle Jimish um, through Four Seasons Hotels. I started my own business when I saw a lack of leadership training. And I did that for 15 years. So a lot of leadership training and consulting in the hospitality industry. So I did that for 15 years. And at the end of that 15 years, I was called to healthcare. I will tell you, Kate, I took the largest pay cut in the history of pay cuts. <laughs> and I, because I had opened the uh, largest guest ranch in the state of Montana. Uh, it's called the Resort at Paul's Up through my consulting business. And I was, you know, kind of operating on all cylinders. But I, I was called through the CMO, Chief Medical Officer, and the CEO of a local hospital in Missoula, Montana, where we, where we lived. <clears throat> and I jumped right in with both feet and I spent 10 years in healthcare and I, I loved every minute of it. So I eventually, I was at the, at the senior leader table and I was responsible for influencing the patient's experience. And that of course means influencing the staff engagement and the physician engagement. So there was also a lot of leadership development there. All along through that whole journey, I'm listening at all times to the words people choose and whether or not they're dealing with guests in a hotel or patients and other staff members in a hospital, the words have a great impact. And I just kept absorbing that, absorbing that, eventually wrote a book about the words we choose. And now I'm on this journey. <clears throat> First, I'll tell you that I now I am back to my own business. I do executive coaching for Fortune 500 leaders. And I love it. And I spend, you know, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in this one-on-one -on -one situation. What I really desire is a greater impact, a greater impact for leaders. And I've um, embarked on creating retreats. And this is our first year of doing three retreats that will help leaders transform how they lead others. So that's what I'm up to. Wow. 
It's amazing. Um, I, I'm really intrigued by this idea of your passion around words and word choice. Um, I'm a writer, so I love words, but I'm interested in this in conversation. And you and I talked a little bit about this idea of your own personal podcast. Yes, I'd love to speak about your personal podcast. So we're on a podcast right now, and you're the director, producer of it, and narrator, host, everything ends up that all day, every day, 24-7, we have our personal podcast. And that's, you know, what's playing through these head, this headset in my head. And in the book, I like to say, your voice is a choice. That voice is a choice. And so beyond that, you get to be the producer, the director, the narrator, the host, meaning you get to decide who comes on. Is that your mother? Is that your, you know, a friend from high school that you remember saying things to you that didn't feel good, that you're playing over and over again? You get to decide. And part of that decision is it wrap, wrapped around the words that you choose. And and when we look more closely at the words that we're serving ourselves up, for example, I'll give you a few of them, um, should. When that voice is saying, oh, Terry, you should do this or do that, or you shouldn't do this or do that. That's it. That's playing in my head. And that's not something that I'm having a sense of control. As soon as you introduce the word should, it seems as though someone outside of me is suggesting that that's important. I'm not owning it. Should comes from somewhere else. Whereas when I change up the words and say, I, I get to, or I want to, I desire to, and I change that narrative. I mean, I, Seriously, as it's playing, I change it. I say, wait a minute, all right, cut, cut tape, and um, decide that should would be replaced with a better word. So that's what I mean by that personal podcast. It plays 24-7. Sometimes mine's playing at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we always say, you know, don't should on anybody, including yourself. That's so true. That's right. Um, so when you think about in organizations or teams, what kind of words stand out to you as, as undermining or things that maybe we should try to avoid? Yes. Um, that's one of my favorite topics. Well, <clears throat> when I think about teams, the, there's more of a phrase that comes up to mind and that is, this is how we've always done it. And that or, um, similar is that won't work here. So it's not entering the conversation from a place of curiosity. And I think that's a huge tenant of um, listening well and participating in any kind of group conversation, even the conversation in your head, to, to come from the, the place of curiosity and not judgment. When you, when you offer, this won't work here, or this is how we've always done it, that is from a place of judgment. You've judged that this is... I know this to be true, and that may not be the case. So it's not inclusive at all. So those are phrases. I would say that there's some words as well that um, that aren't helpful. So the word but. The word but, probably 98% of the time, um, could be replaced. So when we say but, it's like scissors. I picture it like scissors. You say Different, different ways. You could be saying something to me and I'm listening to you and I say, oh, I understand, but I'm really saying, I don't understand. I'm, I'm negating and I'm severing all that you just said. Sometimes I do it to myself. Sometimes I say, 
we're particularly proud of the work we've done over the course of the last six months and such, but we're going to have to. And I, now when I introduce but, I've, I've diminished the work that we've done and what I was excited to tell you about. So you replace that very simply with and. We're very proud of the work that we've done and we have some new challenges that to be explored. And so it, it's very simple. It's a, there was a, there is a movement, a, uh, what do you call that? Uh, improv movement called Yes End, you know, where you you extend, keep extending the thought. And I believe that particularly in the workplace, but even at home, if we adopt that position, when someone says something and you have something to add to it, that might be uh, the opposite, or it might not be, you might feel that it should be cut off or that you're going to pivot in a dis different direction. You don't need to sever their thought in order to do that. You can listen and respond, yes, and, and add what it is that you would like to contribute to the conversation. <clears throat> advice. I feel like I'm going to reframe all day long now. <laughs> <laughs> Take butt out of the conversation. Um, so you and I were recording today on International Women's Day. Um, yes. And I, the one thing that I think about when I think about the work that you do is what are some of the word choices or phrases or differences that you see between men and women? Absolutely. Well, first is the word just, just, it just, it just makes me crazy, which is the only way to uh, use that word properly. When someone uses that word to describe themselves, I'm uh, particularly the uh, administrative assistant. I get that a lot. Or the executive assistant says, I'm just the executive assistant here. And it might be even on the telephone. And meanwhile, I'm picturing a bubble above their head that really says, I hold everything together. The executives I serve would not get to their meetings on time or be prepared for that meeting if it weren't for my efforts. That's what they're, that's what they feel. That's what they own. And somehow I'm just <laughs> the executive assistant comes out. In the book, I share an example of overhearing a dietitian one day in a hospital say to the patient, well, I'm just the dietitian. And I, I spoke to this individual afterwards and I helped her understand that without her governing, let's say, the nutritional input to the patient, the patient would not be leaving, would not be leaving that hospital until that's part of it. You have surgery and then your body needs to function again properly. And so her taking the time to say, I'm the dietitian and in that role, I'm responsible for seeing that you receive the right nutrition, so on and so forth. So really owning what it is she is doing and how she does contribute. So just is a huge one, huge. Mm. But I have another one, enough. I hear this every day. I hear, I even hear in, in meditation sometimes there'll be a prompt that says, you are enough, you are enough. And I think to myself, actually, I'm more than enough. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so here's how I think about enough. You think you've heard about the glass half empty, glass half full, right? For the listeners, I'm now holding up a glass that has half a, half a glass of water in it. And we all know that saying the glass is half full is minimizing, that it's minimizing and limiting. Well, I offer that same perspective with enough. If I say that's enough water in that glass, what I'm, what I'm really saying is there could be more. There could be more and there is greater potential but this is enough. 
And I feel the same way when people say it about themselves. I am enough. I think, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you have infinite possibility. Don't stop there. So I'm, I'm on a crusade to, for those words, particularly for women, for those words, just and enough to, to be eliminated and or to certainly be um, put in the background and used very sparingly because they do limit and minimize. <clears throat> And then what about from the other perspective, if we think about the kind of words that really influence and inspire other people, what kind of words do you think of then? Mm, I think of being very assertive. And like I said, I, I learned at a young age to be assertive and to, to, to speak up. However, there are times where I feel myself, and even with that confidence that I believe I have, I feel myself inserting another word that that reduces that confidence. For example, um, I'm pretty sure, I think, should is another one. We should, probably, we should probably, although any combination of those are um, uh, pretty certain, any of those where you put the combination together, you're really minimizing what it is that you're offering. And so I switch that all up with, I know, instead of I think, uh, we will, we can, very assertive. It, um, it's Yoda from Star Wars who said, uh, uh, do or do not, there is no try. <clears throat> and that's what you're saying. When you introduce pretty sure, or maybe, or um, I think, any of those types of words, you're you're suggesting uncertainty, straight up. You're suggesting that you are not certain about this. And so sometimes when I coach individuals, they say, but Terry, I'm not certain. I'm not. And I say that because I'm not certain. I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If you're leading others and your intention is to inspire them, then come from that place of uncertainty of, of, I'm sorry, of certainty, come from the place of certainty, and then peel back when you need to. So lead with the certainty. You're, you're the le if you're the leader, that's your job, <laughs> the way I see it. So, you know, offer the words of certainty and then explore as needed. Much better to take that approach to go with the confidence and the certainty and that thereby being inspirational and influential in what you're saying and, and how you're serving others, and then be able to adapt or pivot as needed instead of coming from a minimized position and, and spending all of your time having to gain upon that and in, into a place of certainty and confidence. <clears throat> a question I have, I guess I've, you know, um, Lori Seitz was recently on the podcast talking about meditation and you mentioned it earlier and just sort of those voices in your head. Um, and I know a lot of women in midlife particularly have really turned to using meditation as uh, for all sorts of reasons, stress reduction, you know, just a regular practice. And if you think about that, what are some words that we could maybe insert into our meditation uh, to improve that? Well, I love that question. So <clears throat> that leads me to what I call, this is meditation, but for practical purposes in the workplace, I call it practice the pause. 
straight up, just practice the pause. So what I mean by that is practice the pause before you go into a meeting, practice the pause when you leave the meeting and you're having a, a moment of assessment of what went well, <clears throat> practice the pause early in the day, later in the day. <laughs> so, you know, so we, we, I, I do meditate as well and I meditate first thing in the morning that doesn't negate the need for me to practice the pause throughout the day. So having moments of mindfulness, I guess is what you might call that. So when you do that, that time is, is a time to reframe whatever has been said or what you're feeling and how can you reframe it? And I believe that you can reframe in three ways. You can reframe by asking some questions around what's positive, can reframe by then asking about what you are learning or stand to learn. And lastly, <clears throat> ask yourself some questions about how those positives and that learning reframes how you'll respond. So Kate, I mean in a nanosecond. <laughs> you know, you can tell already I'm a really fast talker. <laughs> so <clears throat> when I'm thinking about going into a meeting and I maybe I have some anxiety, I'm going to practice the pause, think about the positives, Positive might be I have an opportunity to for visibility with these two individuals, these two executives, what have you. What do I stand to learn? I'm gonna all, all that's gonna race through my head. So I'm controlling that narrative. <clears throat> what do I stand to learn? I stand to learn what I'm offering them and what their um, feedback might be, what how they respond to the material that I'm offering. So how does that inform how I'm going to respond? I'm going to be calm and clear and concise. And now I enter the room. Right? So that's how quickly I would do that. I actually have a list of questions. When I think about the positives, I think about what's something good that will come of this or has come of this? How does this change or situation align with my values? I'm a big proponent of aligning with values before or as you choose words and before you speak. What might the difference be that I can celebrate? And what are the benefits to me and to others? So I'm, I'm teasing out what those positives are. And I do the same for the learning. And the key there is that I'm asking myself what and how questions instead of why. So a lot of times, particularly as women, we spend a lot of time noodling on why. Well, why did he respond that way? Or why did she say that? Or why didn't I do it this way? You're much better served to ask what and how. What might have been meant by that? What more could I learn from what he or she said? And, and peel back the layers to the truth that uh, lies in the middle. So that's my reframing um, exercise, if you will, or framework and how I go about practicing the pause um, situationally. So not just in a state of meditation, but as I go throughout the day. Are all such great tips, all golden nuggets that I'm uh, I'm definitely going to use myself, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. I I want to think about women in this age group that are listening to our podcast. Um, you know, women in midlife and older, and I think about some of the words that they use for themselves, um, and really in, inadvertently sometimes. You know, um, I'm oh, I'm too old for that, or I feel invisible. Are there any words that you would banish if you could in relation to women in midlife? 
Right. Well, it's individualized. So the different people say different things. So here's the exercise that I say. You take a post-it note and you write, you, you can take four post-it notes if you like, if you have four words, but typically one um, post-it note and write a word that you use routinely or a phrase that you're, that you're allowing to pay, play in your personal podcast. It's a choice. So it's a choice. But what, if you're going to choose wisely, it's harder to say, I'm going to eliminate that word. I'm going to eliminate it. Never going to say that word again, just or but or what have you. It's much easier to replace it with an affirming word. So I say, take the post-it, write down the word and, and practice the pause. Have a moment of contemplation, how that word no longer serves you, no longer serves you. Think of all the ways in which it limits or minimizes you and then tear it into as many tiny pieces as you can manage. <laughs> tear it up, throw it up you know, um, graffiti everywhere. It's all good. And celebrate the letting go of that word and then write the word that you will replace it with. Put that on your computer, put it on your mirror, what have you. And, you know, some people I've coached this before and they say, well, I'm going to need five post-its, <laughs> so, which is fine, which is fine. But you, you, you have to start somewhere. So choosing one word that should, let's say should, I'm going so I'm going to practice the pause every time I hear should occur on my personal podcast, and I'm going to explore that because now I've torn it up into little bits and it no longer serves me. And when I hear it, I'm going to return to the word that I've chose, chosen instead. Great advice. It's all such great advice. Where can listeners find out more about your work and connect with you? Well, they can email me and it's Terry spelled differently, T-E-R-R-E at shortgroup.net. And I have the website shortgroup.net as well as thrivingleadercollaborative.com. And that's where we um, have information about retreats and about the work that I'm currently doing uh, to help leaders align <clears throat> to the joy of serving others. We'll make sure that all of your information um, is listed in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It was just Kate, fantastic. Kate, it's been my pleasure. I very much appreciate talking with you and sharing this information with your audience. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.